This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Lindsay Hine, and today you're listening to episode 85. Today, I'm talking with Sarah Emerson. She is a three-year breast cancer survivor and the founder of In This Together Funds. In This Together Funds' mission is to inspire hope and strength in communities by providing financial support through charitable grants. I personally followed Sarah's journey online when she walked through her breast cancer diagnosis and treatment and have also watched her start this nonprofit that is super special and have loved seeing her channel her energy into something she's so passionate about. Sarah is also a mom. She works full time while having this nonprofit on the side and has big dreams of it being a full-time gig one day. One of my favorite parts of this conversation is when she talks about looking for opportunities to give back. Sarah's an inspiration to me, and I know she'll be an inspiration to you as well. If you do love this conversation, please leave us a quick reading and review wherever you are listening from. That is a huge help. All right. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy my conversation with Sarah Emerson. Okay, well, today on the Illuminate podcast, we have Sarah Emerson on the show. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks, Lindsay. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, my goodness. It's been a long time. We've been internet friends for a long time now. I know, a very long time, and we have still still have yet to meet, but forever, I feel like. <laughs> I know, you know, I feel like we've met though. I mean, I know we haven't, but there are certain people, especially someone I've interviewed before in the past that I, I don't know, there's a deeper connection. I feel like I actually know you. (laughs) This is true. Um, So Sarah, you are the mother of one. I see that you're calling yourself a baseball now, mom now. Is Tyler super into baseball? Like you have no idea. So I used to think baseball was like a spring sport that lasted like three months and it's a year, <laughs> a year round sport in my house. And we live in Maine, so it's not easy to play baseball year round, but it's, um, you know, a lot of indoor facilities and just playing baseball all the time. He loves it. So we roll with it. But yes. Holy smokes. I mean, I think that's just the key, right? Like he loves it. Like you said, we tried baseball a couple seasons and Marshall, my oldest, wasn't really into it. And I was like, this is a really uh, time-intensive sport. Like, games are not short. No, they're definitely not short. And when they're young, it's, like, really not short. Because, like, it takes forever to get three outs. And I'm like, all right, we've got other things to do here. But, no, he loves it, and he's gotten, you know, pretty good at it. So he plays, you know, Little League, but he plays on a travel team, a couple travel teams, and my husband coaches. So it's kind of like a whole family affair at this point I love that how old is he now he's 10 10 and a half that's such a fun age I know it is fun so we we enjoy it I grew up 
watching baseball. My dad was really into it, so it's kind of been in our been in our family for a while. So, Sarah, you it's been three years now since you were diagnosed with breast cancer. How are you doing? Um, I think so. four years. Four years. Okay. <laughs> Count on my hands. Oh my god. Um, yeah, 2017. Uh, in March of 2017, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it's been quite a journey and I never really thought I'd, uh, be here, but I'm feeling good. I think one of the more surprising things for me was, so I, you know, I finished treatment in, um, 2018 and the, like really the couple years after I finished, you know, quote unquote treatment, I was all done. Um, which you're never really all done, but you know, the active part of treatment, um, was a lot harder than the actual like chemo and surgeries itself. Um, and I think it's more the emotional toll. It's kind of like, well, now what, like, Mm. who am I? What do I do? Where do I fit in? Like I, my body's weird. You know, I'm on all kinds of new medications that give me all kinds of side effects that, you know, I don't really anticipate experiencing so it's it's been a really rough emotional kind of couple of years trying to figure out where I where I fit into place right now um and that was really unexpected you know I thought I'd be done with treatment and moving on and returning to life as I knew it but it's not that at all and I think it's something a lot of people don't really talk about either Um, Yeah, I was thinking that when you said that, because, you know, you think about like going through the treatment and then you make it through treatment and you're relatively healthy and doing okay. I know you have to get checkups every probably six months to a year and things like that. But it's that like in between time where it's like I'm done and now what do I do? How have you found community to support to feel support? Uh, Well, I I reach out. I talk about it a lot. You know, I've got a lot of kind of some online support groups and whatnot. And I, I share a lot about how it's, it's been really hard. Um, so, and people are like, yeah, nobody warned me about this part. Mm-hmm. You know? And for me, I mean, I think what's, what's the most impactful for me is that, um, because my cancer was, uh, feeds off of hormones, I have to suppress my, you know, ovaries. And so I'm essentially in a drug induced menopause. Okay. And so that's just like full on, you know, body changing, you know, metabolism changing nights, you know, night sweats and, you know, you name it. And so that's just been really interesting to try to adjust to that before I was ready to be in menopause. Right. You know, Sarah, I, you know, I have the BRCA2 gene mutation. And I'm 37 now, so I'm kind of approaching the timeline that I set out for myself to have my hysterectomy um, because I'm at a, also at a heightened risk for ovarian cancer. And so uh, it is – I've kind of like pushed it to the side for a lot of years. You know, like I get my checkups every six months and get my scans on my ovaries. Um, but I am now getting to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm, I've got like two years and that very much is at the forefront of my mind, like pushing yourself into that menopause, you know, 10 years earlier than you, you know, when you you expected it. Yeah. Well, and the, you know, and I had asked my doctors because I go once a month to get a shot. I take oral medication every night. Um, I see the doctor every three months. So it's still very much 
part of my kind of daily routine. And I was like, why don't we just get a hysterectomy if this is what I'm doing for, ten, you know, the next 10 years anyway? And she's like, well, hold off on that, you know, because um, that's a lot to, yeah. body to go through. She's like, we like to do it this way first if we can. And if for some reason it's unmanageable, then we'll talk. But also I'm still, you know, of childbearing age and they didn't want to take that away from me. Yeah. If I change my mind down the road. So, so yeah, it's, it's been a lot that I just didn't expect. Um, and I think a lot of people think, oh, you're all done. Like, good job. You know, and I'm like, oh, there's still so much going on. But I feel like I also don't want to talk about it all the time because who wants to hear that all the time either? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's it's such a weird balance to strike, I'm sure. And sometimes I'm sure you tell me there are probably days where you you would prefer not to think about it all the time. Exactly. Well, there's sometimes where I like pull back from some of these cancer groups because I'm like, I just mm-hmm. so it. I don't even want to. I mean, they're a good resource and a good place for like if I need help or if somebody's really struggling, I could offer an opinion or my experience. But sometimes I'm like, I just don't even want to talk about it anymore. Oh, my gosh. I totally relate because I, I like joined some BRCA support groups just at the beginning. I know it's different, yeah. but no, totally. And some people are all like I'm like that's that's, I can't think about it all the time exactly and I'm like stop (laughs) (laughs) um well that's the other thing about the hysterectomy you know you mentioned your childbearing age it's like even though I like I'm good with not having any more babies I still there's just that fine final thing like there's no option of like oops like you know like or we got a bonus baby or anything like that like that is off the table and to just totally take it off it feels kind of scary it does even if you know you don't want anymore yeah yeah. like and then when it's like not an option then it's like well maybe I do (laughs) so so true well okay what I've just loved following your story because like you said, you do talk about it online and I think you talk about it in a really authentic uh, way where you don't sugarcoat things, but you're also really positive. And I know that that you probably don't always feel positive, but you have a really strong message and you started this nonprofit, you know, once, once your treatment wrapped up in this together funds, tell us what that is. Yeah, so I'm super excited about this. Um, In This Together was started, uh, well, the idea was kind of come up in in 2018. So I had just finished active treatment, and I was training for the Try for a Cure, which is um, a pretty big all-women's triathlon here in Maine that supports the Maine Cancer Foundation. Um, And so I was training for that with another friend of mine who is a breast cancer survivor, her sister, and then a friend of theirs. And we were all out on a bike ride together, you know, one day and we got done and we were in the parking lot just chatting about, you know, what our next fundraiser was was going to be. Um, Because between the four of us, we were pretty good at fundraising. Um, I think we had added up the numbers at one point and found out that in the years prior to that, between the four of us, we had raised a quarter of a million dollars. Wow, that's uh, amazing. In our fundraising for either Maine Cancer Foundation, I was doing a lot with St. Jude before I was diagnosed. So, um, and we were like, how do we, how do we capitalize on this? How do we do this? And we were trying to think about our next fundraiser. And one of my friends was super tired and she's like, we should have a breast fist, meaning to say breakfast. But we were like, no, that's a great idea. Like we could have a breast fist fundraiser, you know, some sort of pancake, you know, I don't know. 
Um, and we all got laughing and we was we were like, we should just start our own business, you know, and see how many more people we could help. Because right now we were just helping a, a small, very important group in our community. But we knew that there are a lot of people out there who were experiencing unexpected financial hardships mm. in some form or another. Um, and we we had all benefited in our own lives from either a GoFundMe or the community rallying behind to help us out. And we knew how important that was to our own recovery. And we all really wanted to pay it forward and say, how can we help more people in our community? And we didn't really see anything out there that was like this. Um, and so it kind of started from there. The four of us were like, yeah, let's do it. And then, you know, maybe a week later, Dana, who is kind of our CEO, and really great at pulling us all together, sent out an email and an invite and was like, all right, we're meeting on this day. Let's get this going. Um, Cause I think the rest of us may have just talked about it for a while, but uh -huh. no, put into action. And she was like, Nope, let's do this. You know? So we met over many bottles of wine and crackers mm -hmm. and sitting on back decks, just brainstorming, like, what would this look like? Cause we didn't have a clear idea. We just knew we wanted to help. We wanted to raise money. We were good at it. And how could we help more people? Um, so it started there and it took us about a year to really kind of finalize, put things together, put a business plan together. We reached out to a lot of community members on like, this is our idea. What do you think? What would you change? What do you see a need for? Um, and then in August of 2019, we had our launch party um, and kind of invited some important people in our community to that to share what our idea is. Uh, so basically what we do is to provide grants to those, you know, people in right now it's, uh, limited to the Maine community, but anybody in the state of Maine that's experiencing an unexpected financial hardship, whether that's a car accident, you know, and they're in the hospital for weeks or unexpected medical di diagnosis, a fire that, you know, wreaks havoc over their, you know, their house and, or a flood or, you know, kind of any, anything along those lines, um, so anything that you might think of at like at your workplace where you might pass the hat to collect money for a coworker or a GoFundMe gets started, um, this is kind of the same idea, but um, in a more centralized location and they can apply for it and we can just send them a check. So they apply as they would apply for a grant? Yes. Yep. Okay. So we, Go ahead. No, we have, so we have two two branches. The community fund is what I'm kind of explaining right now. And that's what we've really gotten off the ground. And so that's open to anyone in the community. They would go online. We have an application. Um, they have some documentation that they need to provide to us so that we know that, you know, everything is legit and we're giving money to people that really do need the money. Um, but we also wanted to make it as easy as possible mm, because mm -hmm. when I was going through this, I would get grant applications and I couldn't even wrap my head around them. They wanted so much documentation and essays about why you need it that I was like, forget this. Who's like, the energy I, for that with what you're going right, through? I don't even have the energy. And so I would lose out on, you know, thousands of dollars of grants just because I didn't have it. So our goal was to make it as simple as possible so that you could apply, but also doing our checks and balances and making sure that we're giving money to people that that qualify for the money. So um, who's it funded by? Is it big businesses that are in Maine or, or just like wealthy individuals who funds these grants? We, so we do a, a ton of fundraisers, um, you know, and, and just raise money that way. We have some, you know, community members that are really behind what we are doing mm -hmm. and 
have really gotten us off the ground. Our family has been huge in providing us with some support as we get off the ground. But it's really grassroots fundraising um, through events that we are that we are raising money right now. I just love this so much, and and I I find myself I I found myself pondering on this this morning even, and I don't know if it's because in the back of my mind I knew that I had this interview today, um, but just like finding for I hope I don't sound corny but like finding a purpose in life that is bigger than your personal life mission do you know what I mean for sure and you're doing it and and it's like I think that it's so easy to be like that's too big that's too much there's already so many other people doing fundraisers there's so many there's so many things like this world is so busy there's so many distractions so how did you get over the hurdle of of those kind of roadblocks that aren't necessarily roadblocks but we see them as roadblocks well I think one of the things as as we have been doing this is like let's try it if it works it works if it doesn't you know we'll try something else, you know, and and as far as like thinking about different fundraisers that we're doing, because a lot of our expertise was in the events. So silent auctions and galas and whatnot, but during COVID, those were all off the table, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, well, how do we do virtual fundraisers? Like, what are we, what's working for other companies? You know, what do we do? And we're like, let's just try something. You know, if we get a couple hundred bucks, then it's more than we had before. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, we won't, you know, we'll, we'll reevaluate. But I think that's kind of been our motto the whole time. Like, let's start this, mm. you know, and if, and we were getting a lot of really good feedback and support from our community members that that gave us the hope and the like motivation to keep trying and to keep doing it. Cause they were like, this is a great, a great need. Um, so so it's been just a lot of trial and error, but it's all something that we really believe in. And I think that that helps us to keep going because we, we know how important it is um, to be able to just get a check in the mail and you can pay off a bill and be like, oh, just that feels huge nice. relief. Yeah. yeah. I love that thought. Just just try. I can't remember what my son was doing this morning and he was saying he can't do it. And I was like, dude, don't even tell me you can't do it if you haven't tried <laughs> Exactly. We won't know. Right. And there are some things that have, you know, worked really well and we're like, whoa. And then there's some things that we thought were going to be awesome and fell flat on its face. And like, <laughs> well, now we know, you know, um, but then our other other branch to to this fund that we have that we we were just getting ready to kind of start putting some good effort into when COVID hit. So we've kind of taken a step back and in, in that area, which is fine. We're picking it back up. But is our um, employer fund. And that's partnering with different companies that will provide this employee fund for or disaster relief fund for the employees of their company. So people could, um, if you work at the company, then you would be eligible to apply for a disaster relief fund through this company. Um, And you could, employees could do like a paycheck deduction and, you know, every month or every week or whatever get a percentage of their paycheck put into this fund. You could, you know, just donate to it in general. And so that fund would accumulate money. And then anybody at that company, if something happened, you know, a car accident or they needed to be a caregiver for a family member and take time off of work, you know, we know that insurance benefits only cover so much and that there's gaps that things that insurance doesn't cover. 
and so that they could apply for a grant through their company um, and get and get money to help them. And then we would manage those funds mm. for the company so that they didn't have to deal with the applications and managing the money and who goes where and whatnot. So we would manage that for them. So that's kind of our next goal is to get that up and running. Do you feel a sense of like, okay, we can do this now? I know for me personally with my business, um, just my personal business, not doing awesome nonprofit work like you, um, I just kind of felt like 2020, I had to put the brakes on and just like Mm -hmm. chill for a little bit. Absolutely. And we were like right on a roll. We had a big cornhole fundraiser planned for June last year, you know, with at a local brewery with a band and prizes, you know, all this stuff. And it, everything just came to a screeching halt. And we stuck, we really slowed down and punched, you know, pushed the brakes. And we're like, how do we ask people for money when people are losing their jobs or, you know, hours are reduced or like what, you know, how do we be sensitive to that? Um, and so right. we really... We really slowed down, but really this this past fall and winter, we've you know gotten a little bit of energy back into us again and have have really ramped up um, our our work. So that's exciting. Yeah, you know, I I did raise some funds for the Donna Foundation this past year, um, which is also which is an organization that mm-hmm. helps people walking through breast cancer. You know, you've donated to my fundraisers in the past. I have, <laughs> and actually, I I really first partnered with them like right around the time you were diagnosed. I remember that. Yeah, um, and I say that because you know, two years ago I did a pretty big push to to fundraise for them. And then I took a year off because, you know, you find that year after year, it gets harder when you're, you're, you're dipping into the same people to fundraise. And anyway, I kind of shied away from it this year because of everything that happened in 2020. And just, I was like, ah, just like you were saying, like people have lost jobs. People are struggling financially. I feel weird asking people for money, but I had this like pressing on my heart to do it anyway. And I also kind of, felt like, okay, Lindsay, you might not reach the goal that you want to reach, but that's okay. Like you can still push and be okay with what happens. And, you know, I raised around $3,000 instead of 10,000 this year, but that's great for the Donna Foundation, you know? And it's, I think there's something to be said for like accepting that things aren't, things are always going to look like you want them to look big picture, but you know, Five years down the road, we'll look road. We'll look back and think, okay, that happened like that for a reason, and now I can push next year. Exactly. Yeah. And any amount, you know, as we all say, any amount is better than nothing. So um, you just keep pushing forward and don't let these things, you know, keep you, you know, keep you down forever. So um, I'm curious, like, how has this project helped you in your healing from your own journey? It's been huge to be able to give back and pay it forward in a sense. Um, I just had so much community support. Uh, I, th- you know, I think I told you before, but when I was diagnosed, we were in the middle of a full-on re- remodeling of our first floor of our house. I can't um, imagine. Yeah, we had no kitchen, like no, you know, no stove. We were doing. We were at the like sandwiches for takeout every uh-huh, night uh-huh. you know section and then I go to the doctors and come home and I'm like well now I have cancer so that's cool <laughs> oh um, my gosh yeah and I remember my neighbor 
texting me, you know, shortly after, and he was like, what would your dream be for, like, where your house was, you know, by the time you start treatment, which was two weeks later. And I was like, well, my dream would be that it'd be all done. But um, realistically, I just love a kitchen. You know, that would be nice. And he rallied all of our friends, family, anybody that had a skill. And in two weeks, no joke, my entire first floor was redone. A master bedroom was installed. A new bathroom was completely put in. New hardwood floors throughout the whole house. Sheetrock, all painted. The kitchen was like... Everything was done. And people were in and out just, you know, I'm an electrician. I can wire the lights. I know plumbing. I can put the toilet in. You know, and they were here at 7 in the morning and here still at midnight. Like, it was insane. And I've always felt immense gratitude for that because that was the biggest gift that they could have given us was a safe, peaceful place to just come home to and relax and not have to be relaxing in a construction zone. Mm. And... I had, you know, I was like, how the, how can I repay all these people? Like, I can't, like, this is unimaginable to me. And so my husband and I have both just been like, we will repay by paying it forward any opportunity we get. Like, that's, that's what people want. You know, they don't need, they didn't do it because they wanted something in return. They did it to, to help out. Um, And so we always just look for opportunities to pay it forward, whether it's, you know, somebody in line at the grocery stores, you know, doesn't have enough money to buy their groceries, which happened the other day, you know, and maybe we chip in and help them do that or buying a coffee for somebody at, at Dunkin Donuts or, you know, working, putting my heart into this nonprofit where, where I can give people checks, you know, to do something that I know will ease their burden. Um, it's kind of kind of how I do it. <laughs> Are there days you lack motivation, though, and you're like, what am I even doing? Because that's what I struggle with. Like, some days I'm really high, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to do all these things. And then some days I'm like, how do I think I'm going to do all these things? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I love doing this. And then there's some days I'm like, like, it just feels stagnant. Like, maybe the money's not coming Mm -hmm. in or not getting enough traction on social media or, you know, this fundraiser is just not coming together the way we planned. But Um, I think having these other three women to work with Mm. is really helpful because if one of us is feeling that way, somebody else is like, all right, guys, like, I'm so excited. I just talked to so-and-so and and they're donating $600 of their stimulus check. That's so cool. Which happened today, you know? That's amazing. um, That's like, okay, yes. Or we get a thank you note in the mail or somebody sends us an email and tells us, you know, how important, um, that money was to them. You know, one of the recent grants we gave was to help somebody get their car fixed so that then they could go get a job um, because they unexpectedly had to move, you know, out of the reach of public transportation and were literally like stuck at home and had their car was broken down and they had no way to like get to work if they even got a job. Um, And so you know, to hear from them that, that it's up and running and they're able to start getting out and going to interviews. It's just, if that rejuvenates us, you know, 10 times over. I love that. I love that someone donated their stimulus check to help someone get their car fixed. Oh yeah. Like that's it, so cool. Yeah. It's, it's been really amazing. Um, and we've just, we've been able to network with a lot of really cool people too. So 
um, it's been, it's been awesome. You have me really motivated to go be one of those people the next time I go out to eat and just like tip my waiter a hundred dollars just because. Yes. It feels so good, you know, and it, it really does. And I, I always wish I could like be on the other, be a bird, you know, a fly on the wall. When uh-huh. they yes. I'm not doing it because I want them to be like, oh, thank you so much. But I want to see their reaction just because I think that's fun. But um, yeah, like see their happiness or like their joy or their like relief. Exactly. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Sarah, you know, for those listening, I first interviewed Sarah. It's probably been three years. Um, Yes. You know, and that was over on my running podcast. I'll have another. And then when she started this nonprofit, you know, we were like, I got to have her on the Illuminate podcast. So when we talked on that interview, though, you had done an ultra marathon. You were, are you still running? I'm curious what that looks like in your life now. Well, it looks like not a lot. Um, <laughs> Which is totally fine. It is. And I, you know, I've struggled with that because I was such a big runner. I think when we talked last, I was getting ready to run the infamous 2018 Boston Marathon in yes and I think we were planning to meet at some point and it didn't work out but yes I remember that and in that weekend I was like I'm not going anywhere that's not to the starting line and home yeah it, yeah <laughs> it was disgusting um so yeah so that was to be honest like really my last big hurrah shortly after that I went down to Waco Texas and ran the silo district half marathon um, for the Brave Like Gabe Foundation, mm. which is extremely important to me. Um, but then after that, my body was like, all right, I'm done. Like, I had been training through active treatment, chemotherapy yes. treatments. Like, and when I got back from Waco, my body was like, you need just to relax for a little bit, which I was totally fine with. That was in, like, May. So I was like, I'll just spend the summer just enjoying, you know, my summer. And it really has been a struggle since to get going again. My body just kind of, for a while, I was on medicines that made my joints feel like I would describe it to people like I was 80 years old and it took me an hour to get out of bed every morning because my joints hurt so bad. So running was just not comfortable at all. Like there was just a lot of pain involved in it and it wasn't fun. And when I lost the fun in it, like there was no reason for me to, you know, to go out, um, because that's why I ran was for the fun. Yes. Uh, And so it's been, you know, I've done some things here and there. Um, there's a, the Mount Desert Island Marathon in October up in Bar Harbor, Maine is, uh, near and dear to my heart and I go every year. So I've, um, done that, you know, the last couple of years, very, very undertrained, and I don't recommend it to anybody, but it was more about just getting back out there. But running's definitely been on the back burner. I keep saying, I think I'm ready now. And then I go out and I'm like, eh. Um, but I think it's, you know, I've also found other things that, you know, fill me up, you know, and being a mom and, you know, traveling around to Tyler's games, or he also is pretty big into martial arts. Um, engaging in that with him and being present for that has been really important to me. And I think through all of this, I realized, um, you know, how close I could have come to not being around for him. Mm. And that really kind of hit home to me. And I since then I've been like, I always want him to look back and say, my mom was, you know, she was at my games, she was at my practices, she was there, you know, and remember me being there and not, oh, well, my mom had to go for a run. So, mm-hmm. you know. and, and not to say that anybody that does that, there's anything wrong with like, 
it's totally fine. Like I don't think that that's wrong by any means because I think it's also really important to if your kid's at a soccer practice or a baseball game, like, sweet, I've got some time for myself. Yeah. And, and to do something for yourself with that time. But for me, personally, it was just really important to be there for him um, and to so that he could always be like, yeah, she was there and I have a lot of good memories of her, you know, watching me. Um, and so that's taken up a lot of time and I've made less time to to run, but I, I still get out, you know, here and there. And now that races are coming back, I'm feeling a little bit more motivated to log some miles so that I can do the races, but it's more for the social aspect of it than the time for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, you seem like someone who has always had a pretty good perspective on life as far as like, I don't know, you know, I think when we're young, sometimes we don't think about mortality ever. And, you know, like, oh, I want to live in the moment. And like you were talking about being there for Tyler. Did did that change after cancer? Or did you always have a certain type of perspective? You know, I don't, I definitely felt it more after my diagnosis. I think I've, I think I've always probably had a pretty good handle on like perspective, but um, I definitely have thought about being more present since my diagnosis for sure. And like what that looks like for my family. Yeah, I mean, even having this conversation as I was like walking down the hallway today, I found myself a little bit like I have a lot of things to do today. And I was like, I had a moment of like, oh, I just want to like lay on the couch. And then I thought, oh my gosh, Lindsay, like your body feels really good right now. You're not tired. You got good sleep. Nothing hurts. Like you should be like fully embracing this. And we can't live like that every moment, obviously. No. Um, but I do think it's an important to like, honestly, at least once every day, take a moment to acknowledge those things. I do, you know, and there's a lot of times where, um, I really just look at where I am and I am just incredibly grateful for what I have in that moment, because especially through COVID, I think we can all relate to the fact that you could lose it so quickly. And it's something as simple as like, you know, a potluck with your neighborhood, Mm -hmm. you know, like wow, I'm having a lot of fun right now. And how cool is it that that I have this? Because who knows what tomorrow could bring. Um, and so I really, I, I try to really think about that as often as I can um, and be grateful for that. And not to say that I'm like that all the time because it's not the truth, not the truth at all. There are <laughs> plenty of days where I just lay down and have a huge pity party for myself and you know, the why me, this is not fair. I hate this. I'm so over this, but I allow myself those and then I get back up and I figure out what I can do to, to work through it. I love that. Um, okay, Sarah. So I know we've probably asked you these before and I'll have another, but it's been so long and this is a new different podcast. So what's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Well, I would love professionally, um, for this in this together to be, you know, a full-time kind of gig for me. Um, you know, we've, we've put a lot of work into it and it means a lot, but I'm also doing it on top of a full-time job. (laughs) So I would love if we could grow it and get to a point where I could really pour my whole heart and energy into this. Oh, I love that. I believe you will. What is the best, most recent book you've read? 
Um, I just finished Bravey, Alexia Pappas's book, um, which was a super fun read. Aww. She, I actually ran with her. Um, she came up to uh, the MDI Marathon a couple years ago as a guest speaker, and then she ran on a relay team with my friend and I um, as to take part in the event for the weekend. And so that was a lot of fun, like just having spent that weekend with her and kind of getting to know her on that and then reading uh, her book was was pretty awesome. So I just finished that. It was excellent. Um, so I think that that's the book. I've heard great things about the book. I don't ask me why I haven't read it yet, but I've heard really great things. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's wonderful. And then what is your message you'd like to leave with the audience today? I would just like to tell people, you know, to just try something, just to just do it. You know, even if it scares you or if it's something that you're afraid of failing, like you're definitely going to fail if you don't even try. So to try something, see if it works and you never know what, what can come to putting yourself out there. Just try something. I love it. Sarah, congratulations with everything. We will link the nonprofit in this together funds in the show notes. And you have just the very best rest of your day. You too. Thank you, Lindsay. Bye. Take care. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. You can learn more about Sarah and her nonprofit in this together funds. You can just find them on Instagram in this together funds. You can find the Illuminate podcast on Instagram. We are the Illuminate podcast over there. You can find me personally on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. And make sure you check out the Sandy Boy Productions network. We have lots of great other podcasts in this network as well. You can find Sandy Boy on Instagram, Sandy Boy Productions over there. Thanks for being here. Go look for an opportunity to pay it forward and we'll see you next week on the Illuminate podcast.